0: She mentioned in the beginning of this when she said that the appreciation of art and then the doing or like the drawing part, a child can understand and appreciate so much more than they can then show back, which I think though is true for everything, especially at a young age
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and even things like foreign language, if you're not a native speaker you usually understand way more in a conversation that you're listening to with a Spanish-speaking person than you are able to communicate back. Yeah. So I would say my encouragement is for the parent to not get discouraged when their children are making crude drawings because they're children and they make crude drawings. And uh, yeah, just to remember that they're obviously learning and they have to start somewhere. Uh.
2: Welcome to Charlotte Mason Says. I'm John Chindel, here with my wife, Crystal. Join us as we read and discuss the home education series. Hey, everyone. Before we get to the show today, I want to share some things with you about what's going to be going on with our show over the rest of the summer. So we will finish the book. I'll say that first of all. But for the rest of the summer, Crystal and I are going to be taking a break for a variety of reasons. We're currently in the process of moving. So there's that. We're also school planning. We've got some summer vacations coming up. So we also need to work on implementing some of what we've learned over the last three months. We've been diving into part five of this book. We've really enjoyed this book and diving into the nitty gritty how to's of how to implement Charlotte Mason's method. We're excited to hear the conclusion, but we really need to take a pause for a bit. So over the next few months, we'd love to hear from you about what you did or didn't like about the show so far, if you liked our guest episodes, and what some of your favorite things have been in studying these books over the last two years with us. All right, now on to today's show. Today we're joined by Dallas to talk about art. Dallas is a professional artist specializing in drawing, printmaking, and sculpture. She spent time as the lead art director at 4-H camps across the Midwest, she's taught various drawing workshops, has tutored online, and has run local painting service projects with both young and old. Now that her little ones are of a school age, though, she's focusing on their education while also sharing what she's learned on her podcast, Bestowing the Brush, and Teaching on YouTube. If you haven't checked out either her podcast or her YouTube yet, I highly recommend you do, after, of course, listening to our conversation. Well, without further ado, here's the show. All right. So the first question we typically ask our guests, because at this point we can say typically, yeah, because we've had a lot of guests. So we asked two questions. And the first one is, how did you find Charlotte Mason? And the the second question is then, how are you involved in the Charlotte Mason community these days?
0: Okay. Two very good questions. The first one, we had friends of ours who, so I don't know about you guys, but we're just Generally, crunchy people. We eat granola. We like to <laughs> have natural births uh-huh. or try to, you know. That sounds familiar. Um, you know, it's just <laughs> all the things that you think you're doing right and you can give yourself a pat on the back for. <laughs> um, we had friends of ours who, like, they knew we wanted to have a natural childbirth. So they invited us over and said, Here's the Bradley method. Nice. And welcome to being parents. (laughs) So we're like, well, this is great. So we ended up having a couple of natural child childbirths and we had complications with one of them, but we just kept a really good friendship with this couple. And still to this day, we are friends. So after those two years where you're not getting sleep at all, (laughs) I said, now you need to think about whether or not you're going to homeschool or whether you're going to put them in private school or uh, what you're going to do. Prior to that, though, my husband had already convinced me in our engagement period that we were going to homeschool, whether I liked it or not. So (laughs) that decision was made. Nice. But I was like, well, great. I am totally on board, but I was public schooled. So you're going to have to help me out in that area. So enter these friends again. They said, well, you know, we homeschool our kids. There's like five to seven different methods of homeschooling. So here's an article on all the different methods. And I kind of just went, well, wow, I didn't even know that there were <laughs> all these different methods that you could choose uh-huh. with the education of your children. <laughs> so it ended up being a really good conversation and just talking through, you know, ch- children really being people, that they are persons. And that was her, the thing that really stuck with her, whether or not she follows Charlotte Mason or not, which I would say that she would probably say she's more eclectic. She kind of pulls from all different methods, but she said the thing she really appreciated about Charlotte Mason was that she considered the child to be a person. So that meant that they might understand more than you think they can understand. And it means they have a really good library of good literature that you will be reading to them. And, you know, time in nature is really important and all of those things. So pretty much after I read that article and started doing my little (laughs) Wikipedia or Googling of the topic, I just decided, wow, I need to get these volumes and start digging in. Mm -hmm. So my mother-in-law actually, Bought me a couple of the volumes for one Christmas, nice. and I, yeah, I've started reading them ever since, and joined a local reading group. Um, Lisa Osika here in Omaha, Nebraska, has a really great reading group, and then now the community's grown so big that we have branched off, and there's two groups, two reading groups in Omaha now. Nice. At least maybe there's a couple of others I actually don't know about, but um, yeah, I think the movement is growing. And uh, I remember listening to a delectable education a lot as I was getting my bearings on the philosophy and just, you know, listening to what they were saying about it. And I remembered that the drawing episode really stuck with me because that's what I studied in school. And I think I I really wanted to make sure that I was thinking about that rightly instead of just trying to fall back on my schooling for yeah that you know, and I'm sure whatever field you were in, whatever you got you parents out there have studied in school or in college or find interesting, and when you come to Charlotte Mason's method, I think it puts a little urgency under you to really kind of research it out and make sure am i am I coming at this the right way or am I yeah. offending them or am I um talking down to them in any way through that process so I just wanted to really kind of reinforce that and then learn from myself too. I wanted to, I wanted my own Charlotte Mason education. Mm So (laughs) it was it was fun for me to research all the parents review articles and podcast about it because I'm kind of a verbal processor if you haven't already (laughs) found (laughs) that out by now. So yeah, I just I also it was a good history lesson in 19th century. Victorian thinking I think to yeah. just kind of see how those artists and who was influential at the time and what they were saying about art and drawing and clay modeling and music study and all that stuff so
2: fascinating
3: And so you is is that when you started <laughs> bestowing the brush as well
0: Yeah so that, I think it's been 2 years ago now I think it was 2 summers ago Yeah that I started recording that and it was really just a way for me to keep talking about the topic. I was asked by the the leader of that book study to do a summer talk on drawing because I think that's really that's kind of an area of study where everyone was doing it 150 years ago. Everyone was taught how to draw back in that age and it's just not something that we do in regular schooling now mm. and so she recognized that for sure and she said hey would you want to kind of research this topic and then talk about it at a at a lecture over the summer so I agreed to it and just after looking at all the articles she gave me I was like wow I have way more talking to do about this in <laughs> just one hour I could make an entire podcast about it." <laughs> so that that was how that kind of happened, and I really, I saw it as a good narration tool for me because my husband does not want to sit and listen to me talk about <laughs> drawing for an hour.
1: <laughs> and he had
0: plenty of that in college. <laughs> it's like, That's hey, funny. well, you know, that it would probably benefit other people to mm-hmm. hear what yeah. what my opinion is of that, and to hear it, you know, firsthand whenever I can read a little segment educational so Mm -hmm. yeah very cool well
2: and i know you're also active on instagram i i I am i like very very active it's fun to it's fun to follow you and and see the cool stuff you're doing
0: thank you yep you can find me there at bestowing the brush it was kind of it kind of became necessary for me to do that because podcasting as you know is totally audio it's Uh not visual (laughs) so i wanted to link that yeah. Yeah. So it could be a visual aid and record some videos of some lessons, some potential lessons people could use. So I would just since you know I'm I was reticent about doing video work at first, I would put them in my stories which expire after 24 hours, so I thought, oh, awesome because I won't have to see it again if I miss <laughs> it.
2: <laughs> nice. So
0: I would start recording little snippets and I remember Actually, if if Gretchen Kneesler is listening, Shareable Charlotte, she was one of the first people who said, thank you for doing this one on perspective. It, it just really opened my eyes. And I would never thought about it that way before I like took a cup and I lowered the cup so that you could see the, the way that the top of the cup changed as, as you move it through space. And I just thought, okay, people really want to hear from me and need some visuals on this. So it mm. just it fed into itself and people have been very, I don't know. People on Instagram are just great. I don't know if you guys get that. It's,
3: it's a great feeling community. Too. It's, just
0: a, it's a great community of people, very encouraging um, people that are very eager to learn and so optimistic. And now I'm saying this obviously in 2020 where it's hard <laughs> to be optimistic.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, but I think on the whole people are, and it, I don't know. Charlotte Mason people are just my favorite. They're just my favorite people.
2: Yeah, I, I I would second that. I I feel like there's a there's a certain level of understanding that that Charlotte Mason people have to where we're interested in learning and we're interested in expanding our our understanding of anything. So if somebody's doing something that's that's cool and it's educational and it's interesting, then I feel like the whole community is all in on it.
3: Well, and it's it's mm-hmm. not just learning for the sake of learning, it's learning to have a fuller and more uh, rich life. Yeah. Where where you don't separate the two. And it's not just here's when we're learning, here's when we're doing this, here's when we're doing that. It's just <laughs> everything is connected. And I, I think I've sold this to somebody else. We have a mutual friend. So we yeah. all know Charlotte. We all know Charlotte. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, hang on, who are you talking about? <laughs> do, do, you do the, 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 the lady who's been dead for about a hundred years, <laughs> right? Yep. Gotcha. So now I'm on the same
0: page. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's, yeah, quite the uh, philosopher, just so wise and so uh j- I just appreciate how she really brings scripture to the realm of education. And I think if you read her for any length of time, you probably disagree with her on some things, Uh (laughs) but she still really hits the nail on the head most of the time. I think with just the scope of what she knew, she knew the humanity of a person, but she knew who God was and is. And so it's like education is kind of where those two things meet. So Mm. I, yeah. I love reading her.
3: One thing I appreciate that she has said is that she's putting forth a philosophy of education. And she's very humble when she says, you know, I'm I'm putting forth this as what I see as the best option. And she's not claiming that it is. And she's not claiming that everything else is wrong. She just says, this is my attempt. Here it is. and And leaves it to us to to wrestle with. So. Yeah.
0: And I think about, uh, is it volume four ourselves where she's talking about the study of philosophy and how she says it's not firm ground to walk on like mathematics. Mathematics is like one step after another, but with philosophy, you can read it for a while, but don't get totally consumed by it. And so uh, It was, in in some ways, for me, reading that was like, okay, she's even talking about her own philosophy of education to not, you know, think for yourself, really. She she was really depending on people to think for themselves as they wrestle with the material. So I don't think she would ever say, like, join my cult today of this (laughs) great (laughs) way to educate. Yeah. I don't know. Unless... Unless there's something
2: we don't know, Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, she was she was very adamant that children that children learn to think for themselves, and so if she wants yeah. children to learn to think for themselves, so they grow up to be adults fully fully functioning adults, then it only stands to reason that a fully functioning adult should be able to think and reason for themselves, and decide what's a good a good idea or a bad idea. And, and find their way in all of, in all of that, you know, in, in all of that gray mush. Cause you know, not everything's black, not everything's white. There's, there's a whole lot of gray in the middle. So as, as an adult, it's up to us to, to figure, to figure out what works for us in our own life. And I, so I, I think, I think I definitely agree with what you're saying. And I, I, I would say that Charlotte Mason would agree that, that she would agree too. Mm-hmm.
3: Totally. So we're talking today about chapter, I'm sorry, part five, chapter 21, pictorial art. And this covers, it's kind of a catch-all for anything art-related. It's also the last chapter, so I think she also threw in a bunch of other things towards the end. She was <laughs> like, oh, can't forget about these guys. <laughs> but we start with the, I know, it's not funny. the study of pictures. And she starts by being very sad that the appreciation of children is exercised upon only upon the colored uh, lithographs of their picture books or the Christmas number, because the reader says that the child, the young child, cannot appreciate art, and they only get, they they only get the the kind of light down or I'm sorry, the watered down version of it. And she's like, no. Mm-hmm. No, that's so sad.
0: <laughs> right. And then neither does she say, as some people were saying at the time, that nature indicates the sort of art proper for the children. She doesn't think that that's the only beautiful thing they should be seeing, that she wants to have the children engage with the minds of the artists of the past and present. And so, yeah, then she goes on to talk about the sower And the other work of art, the Angelus, that the the Girl of Seven prefers.
3: (laughs) And these were both by Jean Francois Millet. Am I saying that right? I think it's Malay. Jean Francois Malay. I do not speak French. Jean Francois -Francois Malay. There you go. It looks French. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't. I didn't look it up beforehand. You can tell I've not studied French.
2: Neither, neither, um, neither but yeah. Is Crystal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, we established so, that. Showlet me some poetry. You know their little header uh-huh. thingy at the top. Is that that? Is that the sower? The sower. Okay. That's the sower. By oh. Yep. Okay. And if you see any of the? You know, he's got like six major ones that you've probably seen because mm-hmm. I think I think Ambleside Online for sure. Has his uh, most prominent ones. And then I think there's a picture study portfolio done on him too. Okay. I don't know if you get those from Simply Charlotte Probably. Mason.
3: That sounds don't right. Don't on that. <laughs> but. They do have a lot of picture study portfolios at Simply Charlotte mm-hmm. Mason, which is what she's talking about here, taking a regular lesson of these sort of pictures. So you don't leave it to chance. And you take one artist term by term, and study about six of his works over the course of the term. And so the, the general guideline is you do a picture for two weeks. And so a lot of, there's a lot of people that have put out some artist study, picture studies, packets, where they have a little bit about the artist and their history and a little bit about the paintings and kind of pull out things that you can see in these things and focus Hmm. on a lot like she does here with the picture talk where you pull out what you're looking at, how to increase interest in it, how to show why the artist might have done something like that. And she just gives a little example of what to do in a picture study. Yeah. I really like how open-ended she leaves it
0: too. That way, you know, obviously she's, she's talking about a method. So she's not trying to give you a prescription necessarily, um, for how to conduct one, but I, I appreciate the increasing of their power of attention. Uh I think that aspect is really important because it's something beautiful inherently already, but how much, how much easier is it to do that when you're kind of, you're invested in the life of this artist already mm-hmm. and you want to see what this beautiful thing he created is. But then that growing of your attention totally transcends into other areas of study. So that, that principle, again, that everything just kind of goes into another thing. Everything is related.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and even you were talking earlier about kind of the podcast being your own narration of things and of how you're learning. And this is narration. This is narration of, of seeing the picture Mm -hmm. and the the drawing that they do. It is also narration and it's the, the way you interact with it and the way you reproduce it in yourself. And it all comes back to these few simple things that she talks about. (laughs) It does. Yeah. I really like that you highlighted that drawing is narration.
0: I think um, because some people aren't so familiar with it that they don't necessarily always see it that way, but it, it really is narration with your drawing tool and you're just recalling what you remember of the object in front of you, or you're kind of pulling something from your imagination and you are giving a fresh perspective on the thing you studied. Mm-hmm. So, I always like to remind parents that, you know, it should be the work of the child. It shouldn't be something that you're trying to kind of coach them through and tell them how to draw their lines and, how, and what colors they should be using. It's really up to them and how they've perceived the thing they're drawing how they've digested that information. And then the output is a totally unique narration. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah, I think you, you hit really hit on there, hit on that there.
2: Well, it's something that we've noticed going through these and, and this is definitely, you know, this is the last chapter. So in every other chapter of her lessons here, the the primary focus has been narration
3: in math and history yeah even and... in
2: arithmetic it's been narration how, how do you how do you narrate arithmetic well she she talks about it and that's that's how children learn language they learn reading they learn history they learn art they learn geography all by all through narration so one it stands to reason that this is the same but but two it's it is it is very cool to see how just how it is that it's narration mm-hmm Because that's not typically the way that we would use that term for for a a visual media like that.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And then she moves on to original illustrations drawn by the children. Is this where you are are teaching them to draw or kind of the techniques of drawing? Or is this just after that as a as a secondary type of thing? That's a good question. So, and I'm assuming you're talking about page
0: uh, three eleven, illustrating the Beowulf. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is a type of drawing called an imaginative drawing. So, there's all different type of drawing you can do. You can do drawing by observation, which is you're right there in front of something that you're actively drawing and looking at. There's memory drawing, which is you've either seen it and studied it and you're drawing it later, or you're, you're still there with the object and you're just trying not to look at it and trying to recall all the details as much as you can before you look back. And then there's imaginative drawing, which you're just pulling from what you can imagine in your mind and those mental images that you're conjuring up due to what's talked about in the text like in the story obviously with beowulf there's this creature that is a like i think it's a gremble is what they said some imaginary yeah mythical creature to where they'd have to use their imagination to illustrate something so you can do this with history tales you can do this with fairy tales i think this is kind of a fun activity for any time not even during lesson time like one night where you don't have anything to do or an afternoon where you got to be inside to say, Hey, you guys, remember we read Peter Pan. Mm. I don't know last week. What do you think Tinkerbell looks like? Just let's just get out some stuff and illustrate for me what you think Tinkerbell looks like.
3: So would, with those three, the, the object, the memory, and the imaginative would those three kind of be separate type of, Activities or lessons, or or is that yeah. something that you just kind of do, like all at once? I'm I'm not right. I, 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 I didn't I didn't realize that there were those three types.
0: <laughs> There's and that's just like a general. It's kind of just a general rule. And uh when you, if you think about it, when you're trying to store up those images in a child's mind, it kind of goes back to. And maybe we haven't gotten there yet. It's on page thirty. Sorry, three thirteen sort of at the top. And it says, this is what we wish to do for the children in teaching them to draw, to cause the eye to rest, not unconsciously, but consciously on some object of beauty, which will leave in their minds an image of delight for all their lives to come. Hmm. So with like the more observational drawing, which a lot of times is happening in their nature notebook, just on their own, but also in the drawing lessons, when you're trying to trying to train that observation by asking them to look at a certain area or how the light does hitting something you are storing up these images in their minds, because I don't know if you've ever drawn something before, but, and even just stare at something with intention for a while, it will leave like a photographic memory in your mind. And that's a mental image. That is what, you can call up at will Mm -hmm. if you, if you're thinking about it. So yeah, just kind of realizing that all of the stories that you're telling your children are kind of already illustrating their imaginations because there's so many words in those books that are bringing to mind a mental image that corresponds with that word. And then with fairy tales and stories or anything they read from then on, it's like, That's what they're doing in their mind. They're building these stories. They're building these worlds and these uh, landscapes and things. So it's just crazy what our brains are capable of doing, (laughs) in my opinion. Just like think about how many photographs your brain holds all the time, like memories of when you were a kid sounds and smells, those things are lodged in your cells at some level, like (laughs) stored in the brain. So crazy. And she knew that 150 years ago. (laughs) All the science behind that too.
2: Right. It's a little crazy. What I will say, what you're saying, we talked before we started recording, we talked a little bit about um, the fact that I play D&D and Dungeons and Dragons um, and other various tabletop role-playing games. And that is a very common thing for people to do when they're when they're playing fantastical games is to draw things, draw their character, draw enemies, draw other things, draw castles and and anything else. And that becomes a big part of, yeah, maps, definitely maps. (laughs) (laughs) Maps are important.
0: You gotta know where you're going. (laughs) Right. In that world.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, but those things are also important and, and they, they're, they're fueled from the story that you're telling and the world that you're talking about. And then the pictures that you draw end up informing the story that you're telling and it, and it kind of becomes a, becomes a, a circular thing. They, they both inform the other. And so I, I, I can see how that's put in practice by, by adults at a gaming table. And it's something I am not at all good at. And I'm, I'm, I I sit in amazement whenever I see someone who's who's good at that. Sit down and you tell a story, and then they draw a beautiful picture. And you're like, "Whoa, that's totally what we were doing. That's <laughs> that's, that's the guy we were talking about. That's amazing." And so it's it's cool that that there's there's so much value in teaching children how to do that. So
0: yeah. <laughs> and as far as just like helping them remember a story too yeah. that can help them remember that what they're studying in history as far as the nature notebook that's i mean that's a that's a huge part of their science education and yeah. observation in science is sometimes totally lost on the generation growing up now because there's such a prevalence of screens yeah and they and, and cameras and taking a quick picture with your phone is definitely not the same thing as having to actually investigate something and look at its parts and see how it's mm. put together and see the big picture and see the details. Um, so there's definitely a lot of merit to the drawing lesson and the nature notebook and all of it kind of goes together. So, yeah. Yeah.
3: And and she kind of interspersed with this. She's got the drawing lesson where she's talking about the blobs and then the children have art in them. How do those work together to, I guess, teach drawing as opposed to just kind of, do you just kind of, I don't want to just give them free reign of everything and be like, here, have at it and not give any guidance. But at the same time, Mm -hmm. I don't know what guidance to give. And that's where... I mean, that's why we're talking to you. So these, <laughs> these blobs or the fixing of their attention at which, like, is there a cart and a horse or one that you should happen before the other?
0: Sure. I think that it depends on kind of how old you're starting them at because not everybody is starting lessons when they're young. You know, some people will come to Charlotte Mason after their kids have a lot of drawing experience or school experience in general. Um, So I would say that you want a little bit of technical skill so that the student, whoever they are, because sometimes that's even the moms, sometimes the moms or the parents want to learn prior to teaching their children so they can have that empathy or the, I guess, the sympathy of learning a new thing, but wielding a brush is a little different than taking your colored pencils out or your crayons out. It's a little, it's a little bit of a looser thing. There's fibers on the end, there's paint happening, there's some mess that's probably going to happen. So if you do want to start brush drawing, I do recommend getting a course. There are a couple of courses out there. I just produced a video course which takes you through 33 videos. And most of them are, I think 18 of them are brush drawing videos, which help you technically handle your brush and the medium of watercolor, because that can be, that can be a real barrier to people. And honestly, it's not for all young children too. You may need to Mm -hmm. start with charcoal or um, start with something that they know that they're very comfortable with. That way, it's not too much about the media itself. There's a really great parents review article about having a variety of media that the kids can work with. And actually, if you guys go to my website, bestowingthebrush.com, I have a resources tab that has a ton of parents review articles about it and books that I've read and, and recommend too for drawing instruction. But, we don't want to kind of center on like a methodical technical way of drawing because you do want their narration to come out. You don't want it to just be, here's a technique. Now that's the only way you can draw. Hmm. So a big part of it is teaching that observation. So directing their attention to observing the thing. Um, So actually just to talk about my course a little bit, I do go over... The concept of seeing and observation and what that is and how to kind of hone that skill with any media um, but also you're getting enough practice with enough videos to feel like you're getting confident in one technique so you could follow that all the way through and then the concept videos help with the rest of your drawing as well so it's pretty basic Five and six-year-old kids are doing really well with it. Parents and moms are really loving it just for themselves too. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: all ages in between are really benefiting from it. The one thing though I do want to point out in this volume is Mason's warning with blobs. Because brush drawing can become like very mechanical if you're just learning certain strokes to form images with certain strokes and like for example trying to put all of these mechanical strokes into the shape of a butterfly and oh look now I have a butterfly okay well you want them to be able to see something and draw something you don't want them to say look I made a butterfly it's just a random butterfly (laughs) (laughs) you want them to say hey I saw this caterpillar on a walk and it looks like this well, you want control of your brush so that you can tell your brush what to do. You don't want to be mastered and kept in bondage to a type of like blobby mark that you make several times and it ends up collecting into a design. Cause really it would just turn into like a design. Uh-huh. Which is fine. And it has that has its own application and that's another thing. But as far as illustrating a nature notebook and really getting down to the practicals, you just want your student to know how to use a brush and be able to use the brush to do with it what they need to do with it. Because really, at the end of the day, they're a person, they're gonna figure out mixing colors, they're gonna figure it out, but they might need, depending on the student too, they might need a little bit of help in the beginning, or they might just need those initial videos or instruction mm-hmm. manual on what do I even do with this thing that paint is flicking off of the end of it. And...
3: <laughs> well, I, I think that's where I'm yeah. at. I, yeah. I'm pretty intimidated by the art and the watercolors and because that's not something I grew up doing. That's not something I've really done. And so I've, I've got paints, I've got some brushes, I've got paper and they're all on the count at the cabinet, collecting dust because that's not where I've put my energy this year. And sure. and so yeah. having something like this, where we walk through, okay, no, this is this is how you hold the how you hold the brush, but you're still the one doing the art. You're still the one looking at it and creating your own. Here's how you can make it work for you, but mm-hmm. not not that you're saying. And, and this is something that we we did this during COVID a lot of artists came out and said hey here's some awesome stuff we can do and help with the kids and drawing and one of the ones I did was she did a leprechaun and so it was right around um, St. Patty's Day and so she did her specific lines to how to draw a specific leprechaun and that's what we had for the next two weeks was that one single leprechaun one single leprechaun where it was not freeing to them to know i can draw something like this it was this is the drawing if i don't do it like this it's wrong Mm -hmm. so it's it's interesting to to think about learning technique while still not being told exactly what to draw yeah
0: you know and there's totally a there's a time and place for everything that you're learning because i always i liken it to learning the piano or music you you want them to learn the basics you want them to learn the scales you want them to learn the instrument and what it sounds like and how it all makes sense in 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 real life and what it sounds like but then you want them to have the, their own power of making those sounds on their own and making their own composition But you would never come behind a nine year old who was studying piano for two years and like hold their hands and make them do like, you know, I don't know, like a four, four time Mm -hmm. something that just had no feeling in it. Just look at the, you know, look at the notes and just do the thing. No, you would want them to try to add their own inflection. You would want them to kind of improvise if they knew how to do that by that point. Yeah, but but everybody's got to start with their do re mi.
3: So. That's a really good analogy. That yeah, that helps me.
1: <laughs>
3: yeah, it's and you, you don't you don't need to be ashamed of where you are at
0: or your kids are at because there is really no shame in whatever your skill level is now. It's just you. It the the hardest part is starting. Yeah. If you can even get the paints out and just wipe it across the paper, that's more than a lot of people do. So that's, <laughs> and I, I really favor with young children that aren't even six years old and maybe aren't even seven years old. I just say like, here's a bunch of art supplies. We're just going to get the paper out. And now I'm not, you know, I'm not a clean freak or anything. So when it's art time, I'm like, I don't care what messes happen. Mm. Here's the stuff we can clean it all up later so you guys go to town and and sometimes you need a couple of days of doing that to just kind of get over that fear step so not all kids are like that not all moms are like that but sometimes it just takes even trying your home, your own hand at it before you sometimes that's what it takes for you to realize i don't even know how to work this thing or <laughs> what what do how do i mix this color i've i'm totally lost here so that in and of itself can kind of give you that initial idea of oh there's a gap in my knowledge here
1: hmm.
0: i'll ask a question or i'm going to go find out the answer somehow so yeah we definitely don't want to like shove any knowledge down their throat we don't want to deter them in any way so it's kind of
3: you just it's it's a balance to it's totally a balance yeah, yeah. So. And would you do that with, so you you have the watercolors, would you move on with specifically, I mean, home education is children about up to age nine-ish. Would you do that with like oil pastels and charcoals and and all the different, I I don't even know what they're all are, types of art materials? Or would you wait till later to introduce those different types?
0: I think it totally depends on the parent and what they... Want to budget for? Because not everybody wants to try everything. Some people want to stay really minimal, with which I get. I'm, I'm kind of that way too. Actually, if the less, the less I have to walk into an art store, the better on our pocketbooks it will be. So don't give me, don't give me the whole art store. But watercolors are very. I mean, you have you have like your whole range of colors that you can use, and you can do so much with a brush. And then for me, I really like charcoal because it's really good at teaching you how to look at something as a whole, whereas watercolors tend to be a little finer. Sorry, charcoal is like very broad and you're looking at like the lights and shadows of things. Mm. So that to me is like the two ends of the scale. So you can do a lot in between that. But I think a variety is always good. Whenever you can get any variety in, in a child's life, I think that's great. There's so much out there. <laughs> so if you know an artist in your life, ask them a bunch of questions. Ask them what brands they like before you go to the store. Otherwise,
3: you may walk in and just want to leave because it's so overwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> too much choice. She says not a black lead pencil. Is that just too precise? Yes, I think. Because you when you're talking about somebody
0: learning how to draw what they want to do right away is just go for the details Mm. and drawing is more about like the proportions of things. So a lot of people talk about how, Oh gosh, why did she say that the pencil was terrible? Well, you're also not really drawing with your arm. You're kind of crampy. And definitely in, in art school, we didn't draw, right away with pencils either they're like no you're not using a pencil because what do you want to do you just want to sit there and scribble your lines in but and I show this in my course as well if you need a visual on it but the lines that you can make with your shoulder are like endless amounts of long and any shape but you get these little pencil lines and a lot of people say it's like furry lines because you're just kind of Hmm.
3: You're just staying right there. You're just staying right
0: there. You're just using your fingers. So when you're talking about someone learning, excuse me, and learning how to see, you want them to see the whole thing. You don't want them to just totally focus on details. I think that's where she was coming out with the black lead pencil. Mm -hmm. I could be wrong. I don't know. It was the Victorian era. Things were weird back then. (laughs) But it makes sense. It makes sense. It makes
2: a lot of sense.
0: And so and artists today are trained that way too. You don't you don't start with the little detail. Broad, you want like a big piece of paper, you want the biggest thing you have, you're doing super quick gesture sketches. So she probably comes from that tradition of watching all those artists and how they were doing, you know. Interesting. Mm
3: -hmm. So she kind of starts leaving the drawing lessons and the art and moves on to clay modeling and talks about how to just kind of use the clay and how the, what the teacher really is supposed to do is teach them the kind of technique of how to, and then allow them to make it the way that, that they see it.
0: Yes. Okay. If anybody else wants another book recommendation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> clay modeling by unwin u n w i n is a very good resource okay it's kind of how i structured our lessons and very much the same very much like drawing very much you want to call their attention to what's what the characteristics of the object are that you're modeling oftentimes it's like a fruit or a nut or something very common in the home that's small enough for them to do in one 20 minute lesson or less. By the way, try just a five minute brush drawing lesson if you're first starting out. I don't recommend, it. if you're talking about a young student, I would say five to 10 minutes, depending on who your kid is, too. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I maybe <laughs> got a really particular kid who got frustrated really quickly. And a lot of the kids that I teach even just privately get that way too. But Mm. definitely keep those lessons short. You don't have to go a full 20 minutes on the art lesson. Stop it when it's at a good point before it gets bad. I'm not saying it's always going to get bad, but if you feel frustration or if they feel frustration, it's better to just set it down and pick it up the next day. Mm -hmm. But yeah, with the clay modeling, it's like, I think of clay modeling as drawing in three dimensions you're drawing you're making something three-dimensional that you're either looking at or imagining it and you're building it up 3d Mm -hmm. instead of 2d that's how i think of it okay does that help Mm -hmm.
2: that makes sense the clay modeling i think of is when you see the car commercials where the the uh, the car guys are coming up with the model of the next best thing, and so they have oh. a, they have a full Those really big yeah a full oh, size goodness. clay car, <laughs> and they're drawing nice little detail lines, and you're like, wow, that's impressive.
0: <laughs> that's... Don't expect that. <laughs> That'll be a bad day, <laughs>
2: right? It'll also probably be really expensive.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I like to use clay that you can reuse too like an oil-based clay that you don't have to have drying out and firing. That can be a good thing, too. You can just smush it up at the end of your lesson and try the next day. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's good stuff.
3: Yeah. And then she's very sad. She says she must close with the disappointing sense that the subjects of importance on the child's education have been left out of count and that no one matter has been adequately treated. She says, I'm... I have to finish my lecture series, and I really don't want to. And, oh, oh, but there's a few more things.
2: Right. So she she real quick talks about yeah. music and then handicrafts. For yes. music,
3: she mentions the the solfa method, which is where you learn a hand signal for each note. So you learn your do, re, mi's, and you have certain hand signals. So you sing with your hand also huh. or something like that.
2: Interesting. Mm-hmm.
3: Um, so ear and voice are simultaneously and equally cultivated. And then... Brilliant. As which,
2: which is, which going is very along important. along with
3: the child pianist. So that the, not, the theory of music and the ear training keep pace with the power of execution. So again, kind of like what we were talking with, with art, you know, you, you don't do too much technique and theory versus actually doing. You kind of keep everything at the same level. Yeah. Which though,
0: interestingly enough, she mentioned in the beginning of this, when she said that the appreciation of art and then the doing or like the drawing part, a child can understand and appreciate so much more than they can then show back, which I think though is true for everything, especially at a young age. Mm Mm-hmm. And even things like foreign language, if you're not a native speaker, you usually understand way more in a conversation that you're listening to with a Spanish speaking person, than you are able to communicate back. Yeah. So I would say my encouragement is for the parent to not get discouraged when their children are making crude drawings because they're children and they make crude drawings. And uh, yeah, just to remember that they're, obviously learning and they have to start somewhere
2: well and we have that idea with music where when you're learning an instrument you know that you learn simple songs first you learn mary had a little lamb before you learn beethoven mm-hmm. like you start simple and even then you might learn you might learn uh, a line from uh, Beethoven's or a simpl- fifth or, a simplified, or, or version. a simplified version so that, so that you're playing something that's recognizable. But with music, we all, we all understand that you start simple and you start really simple and you start with what, like you were saying with art, with the broad strokes and you, you just want to get the breadth and the depth of the instrument. You want to learn your, your technique, you how, how to, how to posture your body so that you play the, the instrument correctly. Like we, I, I feel like we understand that with music
3: and don't let it translate to other areas.
2: Yeah, I feel and, and I use we to say me um, <laughs> because clearly everyone is me um, and we all think just the way I do, because clearly that's, that's oh, true.
3: I don't think anyone wants to do that.
2: <laughs> no one wants to think the way I do. Um, <laughs> but at least at least me, I think that with music. And so it, it's interesting to to apply the same backwards to art that that yeah, yeah you wouldn't start trying to draw the most beautiful painting ever you would just you know how do you hold the brush all right now have at it mm-hmm. and 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 do something figure out figure out how it works and how it feels and you know figure out
3: figure out how to how to how to make color on a paper mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i i remember when even with reading you you think about children being able to understand and comprehend stories that are so much higher than their current reading level. Yeah. And I think it's not until like fifth or sixth grade where their reading level and their comprehension level are coming together at the same point. And so there there's a mm-hmm. long time where they can understand so much more uh, depth and richer literature than they can actually read for themselves.
2: Yeah. So it, it, it it holds it, 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 oh gosh, words. (laughs) So it makes sense that it holds, that it holds true for art as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. I think, yeah, I always have to keep that in mind with my kids and with other students that sometimes not even until they are like criticizing their drawing, like, oh, this looks awful. I don't know why this, I can't get the thing to look, like the thing then that's the point Mm. at which I would say okay you're right that doesn't look like the thing let me draw your attention here like what shape is this even what is the size of that how big is that compared to the thing next to it I would not I'm probably more I err on the side of probably not giving enough information and not asking enough questions because if the kids are happy to doodle I'm like that's great just doodle because mm-hmm. you don't need to, I don't know. You don't need to like be self-critical until you're that way on your own. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Well, and that's something she's Charlotte has talked about in other places as well, that the, the child needs to be the, their own critic and, and they need to, uh, she, it was, it was with uh, handwriting with, with drawing of letters. And she was saying that the child needs to be his own critic so that his letters are perfect to him not so that you the parent will walk by and say yeah that's good enough or or that's that's perfect but the child needs to get it and the child needs to criticize his own handwriting so again it makes sense that it one well, that it would apply yeah. the same here and they
3: don't fit, uh knowledge doesn't stick until you're the one asking why right until it's it's of importance to you why this is a something Yeah. and that, that's where you learn it best.
0: Exactly. That's why I love, and I'm sure you guys know who John Muir Laws is with yes. nature journaling. He, I think, leads people to ask really good questions about observation in general. Just the open-ended question is mm-hmm. so powerful and you don't have to answer them all Sometimes just the lingering question is enough to make them want to investigate. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I,
3: I heard he came really out with a new book recently about like specifically about nature journaling. So I'd have to look that up. Cool. But he's got a new book. I I think I heard he had a new one coming out. Ooh. So sorry for sorry to your wallet. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, are you kidding? It's the summer. That's what the summer is for. (laughs) It's just for collecting all the books for your homeschool year. Uh In your Amazon cart.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So true. Yeah. (laughs) So So she says it's not possible to do more than just mention two more important subjects. Handicrafts and drills, which should form a regular part of the child's daily life. So she says Swedish drill, which someone has brought back, they have researched the Swedish drill and, and brought back what it is and a lot of it's specific movements and exercises to, to train your body to obey what you want it to do. So uh, more of a discipline than a specific sport or anything like that. And then dancing and doing some handicrafts. She has this long list of handicrafts. And her big point is that they're not just pee and stick work, paper mats, the like, and you know, <laughs> toilet paper roll things, and <laughs> what 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 else? Uh, 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 ma- ma- paper, ma- yeah,
2: noodles, macaroni noodles, macaroni noodles,
3: <laughs> paper plates, and so it's not really yeah. arts and crafts so much as it's a it's a useful thing. They yeah. should be taught slowly and carefully what they are to do and that slipshod work should not be allowed. So keep it within what they can do. And again, I feel like she's throwing all of these last things. She's like, I want to tell you about all these things. And a lot of these are known as the riches in the Charlotte Mason feast. And they feel like they're the ones that you can drop. But at the same time, like we were mentioning earlier, they help you understand how to learn so much that will inform the way you learn in other subjects. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, the the attention to detail, the the way that you start learning, the way that you narrate with with drawing, and how you you do that imaginative drawing, it it's all connected and it's all necessary. Yeah, a lot of these are skills. I noticed too. Yeah, they are skill
0: based. So. Mm-hmm it will be something that you do need to repeat at a regular interval. It's not just once a quarter, you have an art class type of thing, which don't, don't get me wrong. Not everybody has the means to get art classes or doesn't really know where to look. But even just, like I said before, sitting down to even play Pictionary once in a while is Mm. exercising those skills. It's, I think the less you can think of it as like okay, we're going to sit down and make art now. It's not
3: <laughs> well, and you were even saying you know, five, five to ten minutes, yeah. pulling out the stuff, committing to doing that, and the the little bits more regular would probably do more to grow you as a as an artist than once every blue moon you sit down for an hour. Yeah, yeah. I like to think of it that way
0: too. For me personally, if I can't sit down for 15 minutes and draw something, I'm like, it's not mm. going to get done in the busy life of a mom. It's
2: just not. <laughs> yeah. Well, before, before we move on too far, I wanted to mention something. Uh, I'm as, as our listeners probably know, I'm a basketball guy <laughs> and uh, I, I'm a, I, I am aii like sports. And one of the things she mentions here is she mentions dancing and uh, you know, right after Swedish drill, she mentioned dancing and you're saying Swedish drill is talking about how to move your body in ways that make sense. And that's, that's all dancing is, is how do you move your body in ways that are beautiful and in ways that make sense with your body. And one of the things we see with children is as they enter puberty and they hit those awkward years because their body's just doing weird stuff and it, it gets, it gets disproportionate and they don't know what they're doing all of a sudden, and they look like toddlers again, (laughs) falling over all the time. (laughs) Um, These things, I think, become so much more important for that age group, especially when the children start becoming so self-conscious that they don't want to be seen doing those things. But if you don't practice moving your body, then you're never going to learn where your body starts and stops, Mm -hmm. and you're always going to be the clumsy and klutzy person because you've never had that experience of how do you move your body. And so talking about dance specifically there are so many professional athletes who have who have studied dancing who who took ballet classes to study footwork hmm. to figure out all right where's where's your center of balance where's your where's how do you move how do you lean how do you hold yourself up and 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 it's so important to 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 later in life those skills of footwork and positioning and and body mechanics and all that so uh, you know from a from a standpoint of uh, like you're saying these are skills that that will stay with you for the rest of your life i I, I think Swedish drill and, and dancing are some of those things that will stick forever and and even into adulthood if you learned how to dance as a kid then you can know how to dance when you randomly need to at somebody's wedding
1: <laughs>
2: it it comes in handy.
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh, I agree. I think, yeah, movement is really interesting. Just like, especially young children learning body awareness to me is fascinating. To like all those, uh, those brain body connections that they're yeah. making, and and like you said, John, like an adult person sometimes doesn't even know how to move like their left pinky toe or something like doesn't have like that connection is not there. Right. Well now I'm trying like, to do that. No uh,
2: don't think of a purple elephant.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and there's stories coming out of the public schools where you have children just falling out of chairs and f- falling off of their their seats out of their desk and and it's not a rare thing and it's just that they don't have the physical knowledge and awareness of where their body is because they've not moved it as a child yeah and so just everything's related everything is related recess is important yes yes very much so you with Young children know that. <laughs> outside time is extremely important.
2: Life is better when the children go outside.
3: <laughs> I heard it's uh life is better outside because there's no walls to bounce off of. <laughs> hey, I understand that we, Caleb and I are very noise
0: sensitive people. So he, he has a neurological issue with that already. So yeah, he frequently has to send the kids outside if. If the house is becoming a giant drum, as he says. Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> well, our, our rule here is kind of is. Yeah. Oh, it definitely is. Our rule here is uh, you know, they'll be they'll be using an outside voice. It's like, hey, we'll remind you once, remember you're where are you? You're inside. Okay, use your use your inside voice. If they continue using it's like, all right, well, go outside because you're using outside voice. So so Just clearly you want outside. to be outside. So go outside. <laughs> and so they'll go outside and be loud and then they'll kind of come to the door and be like, can I come in now? <laughs> well, you're gonna use your inside voice? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, back to natural consequences. But yeah, we we do the same thing. You're too loud, go outside. Yeah. Go be loud outside. That's the place to be loud. It's great.
3: <laughs> well, and this is her conclusion. And this is of kind of everything, parts one through five, specifically part five. May I hope, in concluding this short review of the subjects proper for a child's intellectual education, that enough has been said to show the necessity of grave consideration on the mother's part before she allows promiscuous little lesson books to be put into the hands of her children or trusts ill-qualified persons to strike out methods of teaching for themselves. So a lot of this is, you know, she says, my point is that you have to think about it that it's so important that the mother understands what she wants, where she's going, and how she wants to get there before she just allows any random curriculum to come in or any other teacher to come in and start teaching her children herself themselves. Yeah. So it is. Well, it I mean, goes
2: it goes back to Charlotte Mason saying that the mother is the best qualified to be the teacher. Yeah. And that the mother and the father have a job to care deeply about the education of their children. And not just a job, but a duty, a, a God-given responsibility. Mm-hmm. And, and this, I think, is, is following through on that. That it is our responsibility as parents to, to be conscious of and, and proactive with the education of our children. Yeah. So that we're not reactionary but we're thinking ahead about it and we're planning for it Mm -hmm. and we're, and we're working towards a goal.
0: So easy. Yeah. You know, not a big deal. (laughs) Not
3: a big deal. Not a big deal. (laughs) At all. (laughs) So, well, thank you so much Dallas for coming on and talking with us and walking us through this last chapter. And it's been great for having me. I don't feel qualified at all.
0: I'm just on this journey with you and, um, yeah. Welcome well, we're to my just my Instagram
3: if you want we're to just reading this book. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's all you can do, and it's so for me, it's so important to get feedback from other people. That's why we're in book clubs, right? Yeah. It's why we read this stuff together because we're not all necessarily going to apply it the same way no. at all. But we're encouraging one another to keep going because it's very hard and
3: it's a lot. So godspeed you <laughs> there's been there's been some people who say you know i don't think i'm qualified i don't think i know enough i don't think i'm i'm the i'm right and i always say tell them you are currently doing something whether it's in a book club or whether it's just asking questions online you're doing something about your children's education that means you care that means you're qualified and yes. the hows and the whys and the what's, that, that'll all that'll all sort itself out. But you care and you're making an effort to better yourself, to better them, and to better their education. And that's what matters. Yeah. So. yeah.
2: We talked about it a lot before we got into lessons in this book, but it was it was the idea of baby steps, you know, taking taking one step at a time, doing doing one thing differently, doing one thing slightly better and and thinking about how you go through the the journey of education with your family that way is what one thing can we do over the next day or week or month mm-hmm. that that one thing just just do one thing and then and then do another thing after that and and do one more and and be thinking about what's one way to do something better yeah so and I, and I think that's how how we do everything. You know the the old the old adage of how do you, how do you eat an elephant? Well, one, one bite, bite time. at a time. You don't you don't do it all right away. You don't learn you don't learn how to how to art all at once, <laughs> which I'm sure is that's how it's said. The technical term that is the technical term. You do art because <laughs> because I know these things. <laughs>
0: Oh, you learn do no such thing. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, we're yeah. We're all just, we're all trying. We're all trying our best. We but are. We are. We have a high standard, and that's important to have, but also kind of.
3: We can't let it be know, crippling. Be,
0: yeah, we can let it be. That's a good way to say it, because obviously we're not perfect, and we're not not going to do this perfectly at all, but like you said, we care, yeah. and that is extremely important.
3: Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, so. Dallas, one more time, real quick. Tell our listeners where they can find you one last time.
0: Yeah, I have a website, bestowingthebrush.com. dot com. There you can find my YouTube channel. Um, I also have my own podcast, which I will be firing up season two of that come fall. Ooh. And yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> And I have a drawing course that you can purchase on my website. That has been the the last couple of years of research that I've done and working with several ages of students and moms. So I'm really, really thankful that that's done and that that's ready for people to have. It's been already a great resource for many families and many schools have taken that on. Nice. Yeah. So also Instagram, I'll be getting back on there in a couple weeks and you can find me there at bestowing the brush.
2: Well, very cool. Thank you so much, Dallas, for joining us.
0: Thank you guys so much. This was so much fun and I really appreciate this.
2: Thank you for listening. Join the conversation with us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter.